We're going to read from uh, Psalm 150 today. Psalm 150. And Psalm 150 says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for surpassing greatness. Praise Him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and the lyre. Praise Him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with the strings and pipe. Praise Him with the clash of cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's what we've come to do today, to praise the Lord. Before we get into some worship songs, let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. You are beautiful, my sweet, sweet song. You are beautiful, my sweet, sweet song. You are beautiful, my sweet, sweet song. And I will sing again. so good to me. You heal my broken heart. You are my Father in heaven. You are so good to me. You heal my broken heart. You are my Father in heaven. You are beautiful, my sweet, sweet song. You are beautiful, my sweet, sweet song.
And the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Remembrance. Remembrance is our major reason for communion. 
And as we partake of the bread and the cup, we concentrate on the cross and the body of Christ and the grave. We also need to remember his resurrection and his ascension. And we should always remember his second coming, which will be soon. Father, we come to you this morning to praise you and to worship you. Pray that you bless this bread and this cup, which your son shed upon the cross. For we ask it in his name. Amen. Now is the time in the service for announcements. Uh, Matthew 25 Ministries um, always collects pill bottle donations. As long as they're empty, you can bring them in. We do have a um, plastic bin in the foyer that you can drop them off on your way into the sanctuary. Don't throw away your used ink cartridges. Bring them in so we can recycle them to reduce costs for office supplies here at the church. If you have any questions about um, what type of ink cartridges or are there any exclusions, you can contact Carol Hankins. Food pantry closed closets every Thursday, 5 to 7 p.m. Here is a list there in white of most frequently needed items. If you're interested or you're out and see some good sales um, and you want to bring some things in, that's great, too. If you want to drop off donations on Thursday, um, you can come between 5 and 7. Um, Yeah, that's it. 
uh, refit free dance fitness class on Tuesdays and Thursdays, 6.30 to 7.30, right here in the sanctuary. If you have any questions, you can talk to Kristen. Mellon Ridge Nursing Home Church Ministry is the fourth Sunday of the month at 2 o'clock. September, we're actually going to be skipping over this month because we are um, going to be having uh, the church cleanup day. We switched it from Saturday to Sunday because there's a building conflict. Um, if you go ahead to the next slide for me, please. Sunday, September 25th, immediately following service, we're going to be having... Go back one. Thank you. Um, we'll be having a church cleanup day. Lots of things to do inside and out. Um, if you're able to stay after service, we'll have just a light lunch, and then we'll get started. So there is a sign-up on the welcome table in the foyer. Breakfast is better when we eat together. Breakfast fellowship is the first Sunday of every month at 930. If you would like to stop in and eat, you don't need to sign up. If you would like to sign up to bring something, just talk to Carol. We'd love to have more food. Empty Nesters Bible Study, um, going through a book based on the Ten Commandments. It's on Thursdays at 10 a.m. at Ruth Liming's house. If you have questions about how to join that group, if you are a lady empty nester, speak to Sharon Ponchot. Ties and offerings can be given in person. The offering box is in the back of the sanctuary back there underneath the clock and big TV. And you can also give online. The weekly budget is listed here. And here's a list of ministries that you can support through giving at Heartland. That's all I have. Um, we are going to have children's church now. So if you have little ones that want to come down up to age 12, um, I will meet you in the back there. Thank you. All right, let's jump, uh, jump right into the word today. Today we're going to continue our series in Colossians. So let's turn together in our Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 18 through 23. Colossians 1, 18 through 23. And when you find that in your Bible, please stand for the reading of God's word. The title of today's teaching is The Hope Held Out in the Gospel. In Colossians 1, 18 through 23, the scriptures say, And he is the head, it's talking about Christ, he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. You may be seated. Abuse of power, injustice, prejudice and pride, hatred and jealousy, rage and racism. All those things have something in common. And I can sum it up for you in one word. Sin. 6,000 years after the first humans fell into sin, the current creation is still plagued by the same problem. People are still fallen. People are still selfish. People are still sinful. And for centuries, humans have tried many methods to change humanity. But those efforts continue to fall short, as they always will. You know, human efforts to change humanity will always fail 
because humanity has a sin problem. And humans cannot conquer the sin problem because all humans are inherently sinful. So what hope does humanity have? Well, Paul answers that question for us in today's passage. And we'll see the only hope for humanity is the hope that's held out in the gospel. The hope of being recreated and reconciled to God through Christ so that we can live out God's purpose for creating us. That's what we're going to talk about today. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the freedom we have to gather here today to hear your word. Help us to hear and understand the truth about the gospel. And above all, give us grace to live out the gospel for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now notice first the, Paul's profound words in Colossians 1.19. He said, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in his son. Now here Paul's talking about the incarnation. God the Father was pleased to have all the fullness of deity dwell in a human body. Paul explains this further in Colossians 2.9. He says, in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. John says the same thing in John 1.14. He says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory he has as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, it's impossible to overstate the immensity of the incarnation. God's divine son united his divine nature with human nature when he became a real human being. And he did this in such a way that in the son of God, the fullness of deity lives in truly human form. In other words, Jesus is fully God and fully man, all wrapped up in one physical human body. God's son is the fullness of God in human bodily form. But why does Paul stress this? Why does Paul even have to talk about this? Well, one reason is because false teachers, who would later be known as Gnostics, false teachers that infiltrated the church in Colossae, and they taught that the human body and all forms of matter, all things that are physical, are corrupt and evil. So for them, God could not really become human without corrupting his divine nature. They would say Christ only appeared to be human, but he was not truly human. So Paul says, don't fall for it. Remember the faith you were taught. Hold on to this foundational teaching of the Christian faith. If we let go of this truth, we let go of the real Jesus and real Christianity. God was pleased to forever unite the divine nature with human nature in a human body when his son became a divine human being. And in Colossians 1.20, Well, Paul begins to explain why God was pleased to have his son dwell in the human body. It's because through Christ's body, God's plans to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So God the Father was pleased for his son to become a divine human being because in his son, God had a magnificent plan for all creation. Now, God's plan for us and his son are so much more than the church has focused on over the last 100 years or so. God's plans are so much more than making a way for us to avoid hell and go to heaven when we die. God's plans are to reconcile all things in heaven and on earth to himself through his son. To reconcile means to bring things back into a right relationship, back into harmony with God's purposes for creation. So in Christ, God the Father plans to bring all things back to himself, 
God plans to make peace between God and all of creation by recreating all things through his son. Paul puts it this way in Ephesians 1, 9 through 10. He says, God the Father made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. See, in his son, God plans to bring all things in heaven and on earth to complete unity in Christ. And now watch how Paul applies this to us in Colossians 1.21. He says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you. And notice the contrast here. Paul says, once you were, but now you are. And those two phrases, they sum up the message of the gospel. Once you were one thing outside of Christ, but now in Christ, God makes you something new. What are we outside of Christ? Well, once we were alienated from God, once we were enemies of God. Now here Paul's talking about the entirety of humanity. The whole of humanity outside of Christ is alienated, separated from God and enemies of God. And it's important we understand that this alienation is not because of anything that God has done. Our being alienated from God is 100% our fault, 100% a human problem. We separate ourselves from God. We make ourselves enemies of God but because of our evil behavior. Now, we've all been there. We've all done that. We made ourselves enemies of God because we chose to do evil. We messed up the relationship. Like an unfaithful spouse who turned our backs on our creator and chased after the evil desires of our own wicked hearts. It was our sins that separated us from God. We were God's enemies because of our bad behavior. And maybe you're still there today. Maybe you're estranged from God. You're living in sin. You're an enemy of God in your mind because of your evil behavior. Well, if that's you, God has a message for you today. It's a very simple message. Maybe not easy, but it's simple. Put down your weapons. Stop fighting a battle that you'll never win. Come and find peace with God. Come and be reconciled to God through God's Son. Now, to keep living as God's enemy when he's offering you a way to have peace with him is the worst decision any of us could ever make. Because Paul tells us the fate of God's enemies in Hebrews 10, 27. God's enemies live daily under the weight of a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. If you're God's enemy today, if you're still doing your own thing, if you're living in lawlessness, don't stay there. Don't end up meeting God as a raging fire that will consume you. God wants something different for you. God wants something different for all of us. God does not want anyone to remain his enemies. The scriptures teach us that God is love. And it's because God loves even his enemies that we can go from what we once were outside of Christ to what we are now in Christ so that we can avoid the raging fires of judgment that will come on the entire creation, this whole old creation. What are we outside of Christ? We're enemies of God, destined for destruction. What are we in Christ? Well, Paul tells us in Colossians 1.22. He says, but now he has reconciled you. So but, the but now is the now we experience in Christ. In Christ, we are reconciled to God. In Christ, we become friends of God. 
Because in Christ, our old life is wiped out. The person we were outside of Christ was crucified with Christ. And the person we once were is buried with Christ in baptism. And listen to this. And replaced by the new person we become through our union with Christ. Through the new birth, we become a part of the new creation and live a new life. And those words are full of hope for a hopeless humanity. In Christ, God offers to erase what we once were, to change us and turn us from his enemies, not only into his friends, but much more than that, his dearly loved children, by recreating us in Christ. Our our reconciliation with God comes through being recreated by God in Christ. And Paul tells us how God brings about this recreation in Colossians 1.22. Paul says, God has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through Christ's physical death. And in Colossians 1.20, Paul says, God chose through his son to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. You know, it's so important that we see this. Jesus had a real human body. He really became human. The fullness of divinity dwells in the real human body of Jesus. He really shed his blood. He really died. He really was buried. He really rose from the grave. He really ascended into heaven. And he's really sitting at the right hand of the Father in a new glorified human body. But why is it so important that Jesus have a real human body? Well, it's because his physical, through his physical body, Jesus eliminated the old creation when he was crucified, died, and was buried. And Jesus became the first fruits of a new creation when he physically rose from the grave three days later. And it's because of this out with the old and in with the new that we can be reconciled to God. Because in Christ, we're no longer the sinful person, the old human being we once were as part of the old creation. In Christ, we put on the new self. And the new self is, as Paul says in Ephesians 4.24, the new self is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. In Christ's human body, a new humanity was created. A humanity that's now able to bear the image of God and be like God by being made righteous and holy. And Paul lays this whole thing out so beautifully in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21. Paul says, Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. Now here Paul's talking about the old creation. Christ died for all of the old creation. Christ died to eliminate what we once were outside of Christ. And Paul goes on to show us what we are now in Christ. He says, and he, talking about Christ, died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. So Christ died for all to kill off the old sinful self, the the old sinful person that we were, and to make us a new person who lives our lives for God. It's an exchange. We're totally different. Everything is different when we come into Christ. And this understanding about what God accomplished through Christ's death and resurrection changed the way that Paul looked at the world. Paul says he no longer saw things or people from the perspective of what they are as part of the old creation. 
He saw people from the perspective of what they could become as part of the new creation in Christ. So Paul continues, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Paul tells us that Christ became sin. He bore our sins so that he could kill off the old humanity through the cross, through his death, and through burial. That Christ rose from the grave as the first of a new humanity who bear the image of God. In Christ, we become a part of this new creation. The old person we once were passes away, and we become a totally new person in Christ. In Christ, we become the righteousness of God. And this does not mean that God simply sees us as righteous while we are still sinful, It means in Christ, God changes us. He recreates us in Christ to live like Christ. God sees us as righteous because we really are righteous, because we live righteous lives. God recreates us in Christ to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. In Christ, we become by grace what the Lord Jesus is by nature. Truly righteous, truly holy, truly blameless. And this is what Paul's talking about in Colossians 1.22 when he says, God reconciled you through Christ's death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. In Christ, God makes us holy, makes us blameless and free from accusation. We become just like Christ in Christ. And this happens as people are joined to Christ's body in the church. In the church, we're being transformed by God's grace into Christ's image. Paul expands on this in Ephesians 5, 25 to 27. He says, Husbands, love your wives in the same way as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy by cleansing her with the washing of water in connection with the word. He did this so that he could present her to himself as a glorious church, having no stain or wrinkle or any such thing, but so that she would be holy and blameless. You see those words over and over, holy and blameless. In the end, Jesus will present to himself a glorious church, a reconciled, a recreated humanity that is holy, blameless, without stain, without wrinkle, without any blemish, just like Christ is. That's God's goal for humanity. That's the hope that's held out in the gospel. But we need to notice there's a very important word at the beginning of Colossians 1.23, it's a small word that's often overlooked, so I made it big on the screen to make sure that we see it. Notice the word. What's the word? If. Now, this word shows us that there are conditions we must meet if we're going to reach God's goal for us in Christ. If we're going to be reconciled to God, have peace with God, and be found holy without blemish and free from accusation in God's sight. You know, what Christ has done for us is very powerful. 
He's done everything necessary so that all of humanity can be brought back to a right relationship with God through him. But what Christ has done will only apply to us personally if, as Paul says in Colossians 1.23, if we continue in the faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. I want you to remember that Paul's writing to members of the church, people who have heard and accepted the true gospel. Without question, these people are the real deal. They were saints. They had faith in Christ. They were faithful to Christ, and their lives showed the fruit of their faith and their faithfulness. They were genuine members of the body of Christ. But Paul warns them, and Paul warns other churches throughout his letters, and Paul warns us, the hope held out in the gospel will only be ours if we continue in the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints in the church. And continuing in a faith, that has two equally important parts. What we believe and how we behave. Right belief and right behavior are equally important. They always go together. As Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.16, Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers your life, and your doctrine. Right doctrine or believing the right things and a right life, behaving the right way, are both essential for salvation. None of us will be saved unless we believe the right things and behave the right way. So for us to finally realize our future hope of salvation, we've got to continue to hold right beliefs about God. We've got to hold to the apostolic traditions about God's Son, about the nature of salvation, the church, and on and on we could go. We've also got to continue to practice right behavior. What is right behavior? Well, right behavior is behavior that's consistent with Christ's commands, behavior that's righteous and holy and blameless. And this means our salvation will not be completed until we leave this earth, either through death or when the trumpet blows and Christ comes to get his body. So we've got to continue in this relationship with Jesus. We've got to stay in Jesus by staying connected to his body in the church. We've got to keep striving to live righteous lives, keep striving to be holy as Christ is holy, to be found blameless and spotless in him. And Peter puts it this way in 2 Peter 3, 13 through 14. He says, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. We're all looking forward to that, right? Listen to Peter, what he tells us to do in response to looking forward to that. He says, so then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Can I just be real with you all? I get so tired of people telling people that you don't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything. Christ did it all. I'm really tired of hearing it because I see the fruit of it is people that live unholy lives. They think that they're right. They think that they're righteous, but they live sinful lives. That's not good. It's not good. They think that God sees them as blameless because they said something about Jesus 30 years ago. Now they're okay. That's not what Christianity is about. We have to make every effort. We have to put in the effort. That's what Peter tells us, right? I didn't make that up. It's on the screen. Make every effort to be found blameless and holy. To be found holy and blameless, spotless and free from accusation in God's sight. To have peace with God and to be ready for that new heaven and new earth. 
the place where righteousness dwells, well, guess what? We must make every effort to be righteous now. People are holding, out, holding on to this hope of righteousness on the other side, but they're not being righteous now. We have no hope of being a part of that new heaven and new earth where righteousness dwells if we're not going to be righteous now through the grace that God provides to us. In other words, Christianity is not passive. God is not going to drag any of us into heaven against our will. He's just not going to do it. But we must run the race with perseverance to get the crown of life. And that takes daily dedication and discipline. It takes exhaustive effort on our part. The many who start this fight will not finish. When the fight gets tough and we find ourselves being pummeled by temptation, tribulation, and persecution, some will throw in the towel. Many who start this race will never cross the finish line. But some will be lured away from the narrow road by seducing spirits and abandon the faith. Others will fall for doctrines of demons, be led astray by destructive heresies, and lose connection with Jesus and his church. But listen to this. Although that can happen to all of us, it does not have to happen to any of us if we'll heed the warnings we find in the Scriptures. Let's make sure we don't find ourselves among those who fall away. Let's learn and hold on to the true faith. Let's hold on to the true gospel and live lives that are worthy of the gospel, lives that are worthy of God, so that in the end we'll be found in Christ as part of the new creation. Now, before we close, I want you to see one more thing Paul says about the gospel. In Colossians 1.23, Paul says this gospel has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. And notice the universal nature of the gospel. The gospel is good news not just for humanity, but for the entire creation. It's the good news that in Christ, God will not only reconcile and restore humanity to God, but in Christ, all of creation will be reconciled to God and recreated to the glorious splendor of life before the fall. And when God created the heaven and the earth and everything in them, he said it was good. He created humans. He said they were very good and gave humanity authority to rule over the perfect earth. Imagine what that perfect earth was like. It's hard for us to imagine because we see that it's such a mess right now. But imagine what that perfect, perfect earth was like. On that perfect earth, land was not cursed. The land was not cursed. No thorns, no thistles, no dandelions to ruin your lush lawn. You had to worry about that. There was no, you didn't need any stuff, spraying stuff all over. On that perfect earth, pain and sorrow, disease and death were unknown. On that perfect earth, there was no abuse of power, no injustice, no prejudice, no pride, no hatred or jealousy, no rage or racism. No sin of any kind. And on that perfect earth, there was perfect peace and harmony between God, humanity, and all creation. And that perfect earth is what Jesus came to restore to God. Not by cleaning up the current creation, but by making a new creation in himself. See, through his incarnation, his life, his suffering, death, resurrection, ascension, and second coming, God's Son will bring all creation back to God. One day, everything will be united under Christ in the kingdom of God's Son in a new heaven and a new earth. And we who are a part of this new creation, we will rule over this new earth with Christ. But as we close, I want you to think about this. 
We don't have to wait to get a taste of what that new creation will be like. Because the church is, or at least should be, a little piece of that here and now. The church is a community of born-again, recreated humans who are reconciled to God, have peace with God, and who are being shaped into God's image. And so this means in the church there should be no abuse of power, no injustice, no prejudice or pride, no hatred or jealousy, no rage or racism, no sin of any kind. See, in the church, the world should see what it's like to live as part of the new creation. In the church, the world should see the hope held out and the gospel in action. The only hope for humanity is the hope held out in the gospel. The hope of being recreated and reconciled to God through our union with God's Son. And if you and I want to have a share in the new creation, we must embrace the true faith. We've got to become a part of Christ's body in the church by being baptized into Christ. And then we must continue established and firm in the faith until we leave this earth or until Jesus comes again in glory. We've got to keep fighting, keep running, keep striving to keep the faith and stay attached to Christ by staying attached to the body of Christ in the church. So let's all hold tight to, let's all hold tight to and strenuously strive to attain the hope held out in the gospel. Let's all stand for prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for the hope that we have in the gospel, the hope you've given us through your son. I pray, Lord, that you help us to truly understand this message, understand that your son came to recreate us, to produce the true image of God in all of us. Help us to hold tight to that teaching. If there's any place where we're misunderstanding or not, um, not walking out the truth of the gospel, help us to, to see that and turn us from it. Help us to live in the truth, walk in the truth by your grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we're going to sing a final song. And uh, while they do, I just want to invite you, to, if you want to pray about anything, you can come up and pray it by yourself. There'll be people up here to pray with you. If you need uh, prayer for healing or whatever it is you want to pray about, somebody will be up here to pray for you. Uh, if you don't know the Lord, you, didn't, you don't know anything about this Jesus I've been talking about today, I want you to know that we're available at any time to talk about how to become a part of this kingdom, a part of this new creation, by being baptized into Christ, becoming a part of his body. If you want to know anything more about that, you can talk to us after, uh, after the service. So before they sing this last song, I'm going to uh, speak the Lord's blessing over you all. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace.